Hello, everybody, and welcome to the End Together podcast. I'm joined by two lovely co-hosts this week. Announce yourself. <laughs> I, I was taken back by the lovely comment. Um, uh, this is Brent Gunn. I'm the podcast editor here at CM Life. I'm Emily Davis. I'm the opinion editor at CM Life. Okay, and last week we did a lot of projections in terms of what we thought were going to happen in the midterms, and a lot of them were right, honestly. Uh, first, let's talk about Michigan um, and the proposals and stuff like that. So, uh, first, Gretchen Whitmer uh, wins the governor's seat. Mm-hmm. Not a huge shocker. She won by about eight points. Uh, or wait, no, that I'm looking at Debbie Stabenos. Um, yeah, Gretchen Whitmer won by... Come on. Oh, I'm out of New York Times. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, Gretchen Whitmer won by like five points, something like that. Um, and then both or all three ballot measures passed. So legalized marijuana passed uh, 56 to 44. Um, redistricting passed 61 to... 39 and that right there was the biggest surprise for me and then the adding voting policies to the constitution to make it easier to register and vote stuff like that passed uh, 67 percent to 33 percent so these are huge margins and all of them shocking to me i was in macosta county uh doing stuff being a stringer for the ap and i was looking at the voting tellers from a pretty conservative area sitting Mm -hmm. next to the conservative or the republican chairman for that county and he was equally shocked that I was that all of these proposals were pretty much tied or uh, the no was barely winning. So yeah. even in Republican areas, um, like all of these were succeeding. Um, how do you guys think these are going to impact Michigan? Because this is a huge step in changing the path of Michigan and where we're gonna go going to go. Definitely. Forward. I think it's a good step just towards being a more progressive state in general and kind of getting with the times, especially with Proposal 1 and mm-hmm. hopefully Proposal 2 um, redistricting will change things just as far as the parties are in our state and the messed up voting. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, I, I think it's much needed. I think it gives Michiganders hope right now that they probably don't have because this gives them the idea that they actually can make changes in their in their state system. Absolutely. And Definitely. they can do it by going to the door, going door to door, getting signatures and then creating a, a, a you know proposal and just getting that kind of support. Like now that we have, you know, we had the whole proposal about gerrymandering. Now, like what else can we do? Like yeah. what's the next step? It, it make it makes me as a Michigander feel like, all right, we can, you know, develop, uh, you know, proposals to really, you know, push ourselves politically forward. It seems like now a barrier has been like kind of taken down. Definitely. And it was a record year for voters. And yeah, I'm not sure if in Michigan, um, by itself, but I know just all over the country, it was like a story that said we were the highest since like 19, wow. since the 19th. That's awesome. So yeah, especially that was for young people, like young people came out more than they have in decades, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And so in respect to the proposals, the legalized marijuana proposal had a long run of collecting signatures and trying to pass legislation and getting knocked back down and then trying to collect more signatures. So it really is like kind of an underdog story that this proposal that had so much trouble getting to ballots made it and and passed with 10%, over 10% in a, in a state that went for Trump. Um, so like as far as the proposals go, Michigan is a totally different and exciting state going forward. Mm-hmm. Like there are things happening in the state that I'm so excited to be a part of and I'm so excited to see. And it's almost surreal that marijuana is now legalized. Like, <laughs> I, I was just thinking about that the other day because uh, my bowl broke and I had to go buy another. And I was just like, man, oh God, thank, no, it's I'm joking, still not but, completely legal. Yeah, and, that, and that's and that's something I kind of want to talk about because I don't think it, I think that the next step needs to be 
protection for workers and uh, releasing people from incarceration. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think those are the next two like pragmatic steps. Two very iffy steps, especially releasing people from incarceration, unfortunately. If you if you like politically like like just tough to do. Yeah, I think just hard to figure out like how you're going to go about that and what kind of you know right. I just that's all way too much for me to understand because I have nothing to do with law enforcement. But the the whole like protection for workers thing because to the best of my knowledge, you can still get evicted. Yeah. Uh, you can still be denied a job. Mm-hmm. And to the best of my knowledge, you can't be denied a job for you know alcohol being in your system for a, a you know when you apply right. for a job. Nope. So I. I was hoping marijuana would, you know, eventually just be treated on like a, you know, equitable status as alcohol. I think that's that's will, that's where we know? should move. It's but just but, I, but I'm, ha- I'm happy with where we are. Definitely. Now. The foundation I, yeah. who passed who sponsored this proposal was actually that treat marijuana like like alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like found yeah, like that was. was their name exactly. So that's that really is the goal, and there are a lot of things that need to happen. I think the fir- I really do think the first thing is making it so your workplace can't discriminate against you for smoking weed. And that'll happen eventually. I, I think yeah. if it doesn't enter your workplace, I mean, by all means, if you're showing up to the job stoned, mm-hmm. that's an it's issue. It's just like going to work drunk. Exactly. You can't exactly. do it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There also is a big difference between something like marijuana and a lot of other drugs. Like, people do cocaine and, like, that's illegal and their workplace, like, physically can't test for it because it goes out of your system so much. And alcohol could be way more detrimental to, like, you being an alcoholic could be way more detrimental than you to being you a doing stoner. it than you being a stoner. Every every year on campus, I'm sure we hear stories about, like, you know, some kids getting into dangerous trouble because of alcohol or drunk driving. Yeah. And we never hear stories of any kind of, <laughs> I mean, very rarely any other, like, drug-related crimes, it seems, no. on campus. But. I, I did a, I covered the police beat for one week. Um, and one of the, one of the stories that the police officer was telling me about was there was a car parked in the big parking lot outside of the towers and, um, like the police officer could tell that there were smoke in it and it reeked of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And that was the only story. And like, they were just stone dudes who like gave up all their weed and the officer was like, I have to bring uh, you in. And, yeah, that, yeah. and that was like the extent of the story. Like nobody tried to fight anybody. Like nobody broke in. They're, any they're too weak too. <laughs> they're, they're, they're too tired. <laughs> they're tired and hungry. Tired, yeah. hungry. Um, so as far as Gretchen Whitmer goes, you were telling me about something um, before we started. Could you... Well, Blue Cross donated a lot to Gretchen's campaign, and she just recently. Give me one second. I'll edit this out. I want to pull up the article. Um, did you hear about this? Uh, the Blue Cross CEO being uh, elected to her transition team. <laughs> no. Um, so, taking it from the Intercept, uh, this is their headline: um, Michigan's Democratic Governor-elect puts Blue Cross Blue Shield executive on transition team after the co- uh, company funded her campaign, which. This should come as no surprise to most people because Whitmer, I think it was the common criticism amongst people that she was a very, like, standard Democrat. Yeah. Most standard Democrats receive, you know, corporate funding mm-hmm. from companies like Blue Cross Blue yeah. Shield. Well, the Senate's kind of an exception now, but keep going. And, I mean, it irritates me because that, to me, says, all right, any kind of Medicare for all thing in Michigan is virtually obsolete, mm-hmm. which irritates me because it feels like Michigan. It it it, it, it feels like the, now we're finally ready. Exactly, it feels like like the state wants that, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, it seems like this is just going to be another preventative measure. Which, and you know, I'm not I'm not going to decry people for voting, but I, that's why I feel like we need something more like ranked choice voting, because yeah. I mean, if we could have had a, a candidate like maybe um, Abdul Sayed 
mm-hmm. run against her in more of a ranked choice system, he could have possibly won. And, you know, he seemed to be more of a Medicare for all candidate. Definitely. So I, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to be too staunch about uh, Whitmer to, you know, it is antagonistic, but it is a, a bit irritating. Yeah. I, I wrote a column about Whitmer and I had mixed responses. From both sides. Uh, and I try to be hated. If I'm hated by anybody, I want to be hated by both sides. Because that's really where I feel like I've struck a, struck okay. a balance. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's but a totally like, fair I think, thing to say. I think Jake Tapper is like, if I get criticism from both sides, I know I'm doing a good job. And I had a lot of progressives yelling at me, telling me that I wasn't hopeful enough for Gretchen Whitmer. And I didn't I notice of, progressives were yelling at you. They messaged me directly. Okay. Um, and they also saw, I. there were a few like sub posts that seemed eerily... Close to what uh-huh. I was saying, but Gretchen Whitmer was not this big progressive, and she didn't campaign that way. She campaigned on fixing the Tim roads. I hate saying it every time I do, <laughs> but she did not campaign on anything. And the only reason she said anything about uh, legal marijuana was because she saw that it was polling well and it it made sense. And you can't be anti legal marijuana and a Democrat, right? Um, so do not expect Gretchen Whitmer to instill these super progressive policies because that's not what she's going to do she's like if i had to compare to anybody it would be hillary clinton and she's not going to oh, yeah, get she, she's I a don't complete think that's clinton like type an abstract comparison at all yeah. i see that as soon as i looked at her the first time i heard her speak i was reminded of hillary clinton and the race between hillary and bernie sanders so. yeah absolutely and it's i, very I feel like if trump wasn't that. the president right now if there wasn't that mobilization for a blue wave because of trump she would not have won yeah, yeah. if if we didn't have and if snyder didn't have a terrible that too yeah terrible like last two years Mm -hmm. there were a lot of things that went into the republicans kind of whiffing this bill shooty had no personality things like that yeah Um, the the conservative person in mccosta that i talked to said he was friends with like a voice coach who tried to help ted cruz during the election and he tried to help he wanted to hook that guy up with shooty but shooty wouldn't do it (sighs) and he described like shooty as like like as like a rock like Mm -hmm. he was like stiff as a rock so what's what 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 what's that movie the the King's Speech? The King's Speech. Can you imagine yeah. that film about Ted Cruz? <laughs> like a two hour oh long, God. like uh-huh. deep character study about love, teaching Ted Cruz would, how to speak. I would I would watch that <laughs> oh, man. right now. Oscar gold right there. Oscar bait. But anyway, you were Who would saying. play Ted Cruz in a movie. <laughs> Danny DeVito. Oh my God. Sure. Danny DeVito. Jesus Christ. No. They don't even look Danny similar. DeVito on some stilts. That's just mean. They don't look similar. <laughs> look at him in Batman Returns and look at a picture of Ted Cruz. I feel like that more watched up version of Tevin Spacey. But fatter too. Yeah. Kevin like Spacey. He'd have Kevin to really Spacey. let himself go Kevin for that. Kevin Spacey film. in a fat suit. Dude, if Kevin <laughs> Spacey Christian made Bale. his actual yeah. return, Christian Bale would go like full of like hi- hibernation. <laughs> Masturbating no under his pillow. Oh my god. Ted Cruz used to do that in college and his roommate uh told everybody during the election. And I like to think I, I don't know how Ted Cruz won. I don't know how Ted Cruz won. I was is a so real surprised because like and I, I really do not like Beto that much, but well, te- Texas. That's a good how, sh- how can you look at Cruz and look at Beto and be like, yeah, we're going to go with Cruz? I don't understand that. Because it's Texas. He only won by about 2%. Which is, is amazing. Insane. Yeah. Super close in Texas. All, you must gonna, be so at, mad all, if you're living Austin, in Texas right now. All of now. Austin oh, much have gone out to vote. Every uh, single person in Austin. All of them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even as, like, that whole race was going and seeing Beto's videos in, like, the churches that Ted Cruz was retweeting to try to, you know, lambast him. Yeah. It seemed like there was all this like growing support for Beto and like props to him for getting so close. I mean, he's essentially a newcomer practically. This I mean, is on, his, on, on this scale. Yeah, he was a mayor, I believe. Yeah, and 
I don't know. Do you think there's any future for him after this? There were some Beto 2020 stuff. I don't see Beto doing good in 2020. I don't see him winning the primary. Yeah. Like, he's relatively known, and he raised a lot of money. But I don't know if he's the person for 2020. Um, speaking of the Senate, there were a few Senate races that um, that were pretty interesting and some and some big flips. So Nevada flipped um, from Republican to Democrat. North Dakota flipped. So Heidi Heitkamp, she was a big Democratic name um, in a pretty kind of conservative state. She lost her reelection by a huge margin and she um, voted against Kavanaugh. So there's this track record. Every single concert, like moderate Democrat in a Republican state who voted for uh, or against Kavanaugh, rather, lost the reelection. Hmm. So it cost um, Claire McCaskill, who's from Missouri, she lost her reelection, and jo- Joe Donnelly, who's from Indiana, he lost his reelection. And also in Florida, um, ex Governor Rick Scott was running for Senate against Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson is pretty much tied with him right now. Uh, in Florida and in Georgia, they're doing some recounts. We can touch on that later. But yeah, there were a lot of um, so. Democrats lost in the Senate real bad. They lost uh, three big seats in states they really needed to hold. Um, right now, the Senate sits at 46 Democrats, 51 Republicans, three undecided. Um, those undecideds are Arizona, which is probably going to go Democrat, Florida, which is probably going to go Republican, and then Missouri, which is probably also going to go Republican. So I, the Senate's probably going to sit at 54 to 46. Um, as for the House, this is where Democrats did a lot. Um, so there were some huge House gains. Um, following election night, Democrats uh, had 227 seats. They gained 32, which is huge. Republicans lost 32, of course, and then 10 are undecided. Um, some of those might flip certain ways. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, like a, a lot of those races and a lot of the races were incredibly close going down to the wire, and there are still some not been called. Like Florida and Georgia. Have you guys been paying attention to this kind of voter mishap? Not honestly. Slightly. So <laughs> what happened was... Right now, the Republican candidates of Georgia Georgia governor, Florida governor, and uh, Florida Senate are roughly tied with the Republicans having very small leads. The leads were small enough where they could do a recount. And upon recount, in some places, votes were found that were uncounted. And in some places, just whole precincts didn't have like voting machines and their like voting ballots were like kept in boxes, like under counters. Mm -hmm. So there are possibly thousands of votes that have not been counted in either of these places. And conservatives have been calling this like a democratic effort to steal elections when in reality, it's just people trying to count votes. Like that's, that's the extent of the, of what is actually happening is just votes didn't get counted. Right. Um, it's Florida and Georgia. Mm. This always happens. There's always an issue, especially in Florida. And of course, whenever there's any type of more inquisitive, you know, look from a Democrat perspective or even more of a leftist perspective. It's usually, you know, met with ire from the the Republicans, usually. Yeah. But I mean, isn't isn't uh Kemp trying to push Stacey Abrams to to concede early? All of the Republicans are trying to push people to are trying to push the also all three Republicans in in these situations are trying to push the Democrats to concede. Mm-hmm. And in Andrew Gillum's case, who was running for who's the Democratic um person running for governor in Florida. He did concede and then he unconceded. I don't know what the point of conceding is if you can unconcede <laughs> whenever you want, but e- either way they're they're both fighting these election results and they both have big name lawyers trying to or they all have big name <laughs> lawyers trying to 
trying to get these votes counted. So this is going to be interesting coming up. And Marco Rubio, who's another senator from Florida, just tweeted blatant misinformation. So it really and like Donald Trump tweeted this too. like the Republican Party is now anti-democracy because they're against counting these votes. Like you cannot be like pro whoever gets the most votes wins and say we should not count these votes. Like that's Mm -hmm. not how democracy works. So like how this develops, I have no idea. And what happens, I have no idea. Um, I don't get why they wouldn't want them counted. Because they they're gonna they're gonna lose for for the exact same reason that they don't want large voter turnout. Right. It's because just so lose. blatantly obvious, though. Like, why right. would you try and do something that's so obviously villainous? I guess like it's just obvious that you're doing something wrong. There's a lot of areas right now where the Republicans are. Like, I get it. You can. There are a lot of conservative policies that I totally understand. Like. Like, rural people wanting guns, like, that totally makes sense with me, and I'm to some extent, I'm on your side. Yeah, me but too. there are some things that the Republicans do where they're just the bad guys. Like, net neutrality, the Republicans were simply the bad guys. Like, being anti-consumer. I don't know if every Republican was anti. I mean, the, so, the Republican Party, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and Ajit Pai, the guy who was nominated to do that. Mm-hmm. That like that's the official stance of the Republican Party. Like in their party literature, it, it says that like net neutralities are anti-consumer and bad for people. When in reality, it's the total opposite. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Obama's regulations really did help people, and they made for a free and open internet. Voting is another huge example. Like your goal should be to get as many Americans to vote as possible. Things like voter ID laws and making precincts as small as possible and making lines as large as possible. There was a law in Florida where you couldn't leave to go to the bathroom. So lines would be eight hours long in oh some cases. God. And if you left, you were not allowed to. Things like that. Like, there, are, like it is impossible to make an argument that they are the good guys. And gerrymandering. And Democrats gerrymander as well. Mm-hmm. But, and and, and, and I, I, I just want to say the environment. Yeah, the environment. The environment that, that, that is the sure. clearly most, like, ostensibly bad guy position. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but uh, going back to the whole, like, voter thing. I mean, that's kind of like what Trump is betting on with this whole caravan thing, because he's saying, you know, the Democrats want them to come here, come here so they can be potential voters. The caravan has been dropped. Uh, well, I mean, I know it's been dropped, but like, that, that, like, like it goes into that whole like kind of like immigration talking point, too. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of Republicans, you know, specifically Trump, will be very like staunch on immigration because they coincided with this idea that Democrats are pro-immigration so that they get more votes and, you know. Um, it, it it goes all the way back to that. They don't want large voter turnouts because, like, they they know they lose those they elections. Know. Yeah. They understand. There mm. there was a, a wave of serious breaking news the day after midterms. So, for example, Trump withdrew all of the troops from the border that he had sent there um, for the caravan. So the day after, all of those troops were withdrawn, and then Trump fired Jeff Sessions, yeah. who had recused that. himself from Robert Mueller's special investigation. Um, So to break that down real quick, Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, had recused himself from this situation because he had had summoned clear involvement with Russia. And this was a big point of contention that Donald Trump did not like Jeff Sessions anymore because he recused himself, Mm -hmm. which made Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein in charge of that. And Rosenstein um, did whatever he could to not infringe on what special counsel Mueller could do. Now that Jeff Sessions is fired, the new guy, whose name is not coming to me. Uh, um, Whitaker. Whitaker. The new guy, Whitaker, who has said in the past, who has said some horrible things in the past, and I'll talk about him 
later. But um, he can restrict Mueller however he wants. He can like withhold funding. He can limit the scope. And so that's really dangerous for the special counsel for the special counsel investigating the president. Um, there was kind of a reaction. So for over a year, there's there was um, signatures. It's like a rapid action protest where as soon as Mueller was at risk, then um, hundreds of thousands of people across the U.S. would go out and protest. That didn't quite happen as big as um, promoters were expecting. There were some mm-hmm. protests, but not huge ones. Um, and right now it looks like – so Mueller is allegedly finishing up his investigation, but we've heard that for weeks. See, I, I thought we'd been hearing that for months. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. Like, I kind of forgot it was still going on, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So – I mean, he has probably the hardest job in the world right now, which is sifting through all of Donald Trump's BS. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been some quote-unquote leaks, um, rumors that um, he would be moving to indict Don Jr., so that could have influenced Trump's timing. Um, I think it was a Washington Post article or something that claimed that Trump was afraid for Don Jr., so Mm -hmm. that, again, might have influenced it along with midterms ending, and now Donald Trump can do that without feeling pressure in the poll, in the, in elections. Um, and this new guy, Whitaker, he was a spokesperson or something for a company that is now under FBI investigation for uh, defrauding people. <laughs> um, he said in the past he wouldn't trust judges who were secular. He would only trust judges who took, who interpreted the Bible or who believed in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pull up his exact quote. I'm not. It's something along those right. lines. Um, and then Kellyanne Conway's husband. Kellyanne Conway, of course, is... Um, pretty big in the Trump White House. I don't actually know what her position is because it's kind of everything. Just like lackey. Yeah, lackey kind of everything, basically. Yeah. She's been kind of out of the public eye recently though. She was like this boats person for the Trump campaign for a very long time and now they're like, okay, you need to be hidden away for a while. I think You're that's insane. because her husband has been very anti-Trump <laughs> and mm-hmm. right now her husband is part of a lawsuit against Whitaker. Okay. Um, so Kelly, like the Conway Thanksgiving dinner must be... <laughs> Incredible, a so little stressful. stressful. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they they constantly Can you imagine like, her on each Thanksgiving. Other. Oh my like, god, twitching I don't want to ma- imagine Kelly <laughs> Conway. Potatoes, Benghazi, Benghazi. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hillary. <laughs> emails, the emails. Um, yeah, they've they've kind of been at each other's throats before. There was an interview with Kelly and Conway where um, the reporter was asking her questions and she said something about them, and then she asked the reporter to make sure that her. The reporter reported that as somebody familiar with the Conways. And the reporter's like, no, we're on the record. I'm going to report it as you saying it. And then they reported that exact um, that exact dialogue. So, yeah, the Con- the Conway household's kind of a shit show right now. Um, Whitaker's future may be in doubt. I think he'll be in it for the next two years. And then I... Are you still on Donald Trump winning in 2020? Oh, yeah. You are? Yep. I haven't win? seen a single thing that's good, that has deterred me yet. Um... I think the terms didn't change your mind. No, if anything, they they solidified. They weren't I, as great I was as I thought they were going to be. Well, remember the article I was talking to you about. I abandoned the article because you know I was betting on the Democrats to do substantially worse than they did, but they still didn't do very well. I know. And, uh, you know, the whole kind of point of that hypothetical article was Kavanaugh's the reason for it, mm-hmm. and like how you said earlier, I mean. Uh, the Republicans won in those districts in the where, close places where Democrats voted against Kavanaugh. Exactly, mm-hmm. and it shows that. This had a very, very strong hold on people, and there was this growing kind of insecurity about um, men being, you know, uh, wrongfully accused. Mm-hmm. And that, that 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 insecurity, we're seeing how much it, it's it's materialized now. 
So I think Trump's going to win in 2020 because the Democrats continue to drop the ball. And if they continue to drop the ball as they have, as we continue to fill the party with more Whitmers, uh, it he'll, he'll win in 2020. I mean, Whitmer is not a Whitmer is not a correct response. It's the response we got, but it's not the right response that we should have given. I no, think. we need a more progressive candidate. If I, I, we I, I, I wouldn't Trump. even say necessarily like, quote unquote, progressive, mm-hmm. because that entails certain like political points that you have to hit. I think okay. we just need a strong, more energetic, just better, more, I, a, a strong ideological leftist candidate that mm-hmm. can uh nuance i mean that 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 can with nuance and with uh fortitude not not necessarily combat trump or fact check trump but mm-hmm. can bring those people that trump has you know connected with to their side right that that's the big thing because trump's reached out to that disenfranchised yeah you know the disenfranchised kavanaugh's of the world the the unrich kavanaugh's mm-hmm. the, the the soon-to-be kavanaugh's the, right. the men that dream of being kavanaugh mm-hmm. the soon-to-be kavanaugh's those words put together is disgusting <laughs> But I mean, it, it, it's it's not yeah, untrue. Yeah, it's not untrue. So, what uh, kind of candidate do you think could be the candidate we need to beat Trump? Honestly, if if you had a Democrat come out tomorrow, like a a progress, a slightly more progressive Democrat that was pro gun, mm-hmm. I think that alone could win against mm-hmm. Trump. I mean, think think of like the number one problem that people have with Democrats. It's usually guns. Usually, I mean, it's taxes too. I hear from or like from, misinformed opinions about Democrats as oh they want to raise all of our taxes. I'll, I'll hear that sometimes, but I, I think from Republicans more, I hear oh they want to take my guns or they're mm-hmm. not pro gun or mm-hmm. they're pro arming the government and not citizens. Mm-hmm. If you had a principled, more left leaning uh, candidate come out that was just at the very least pro gun, bam. I, I have mm-hmm. your candidate. And before we talked about him, but he was kind of not wanting to run in 2020, um, that kind of changed. So Sherrod Brown, who is from Ohio, I think he's a senator. Let me double check that. But uh, I, I, sh- I should have known. <laughs> I should have known you were going to bring him up. Yeah, e- Elio kind of got me on the Sherrod Brown um, bandwagon, <laughs> and I really do think he is the answer to that. So he won his um, he won his race in. Ohio, and then he made, quickly after made some comments on like what we did tonight is what we're gonna do in 2020. What so does he look like? Um, I want to see him. He's a white dude. He's <laughs> oh, not what yeah. the name Sherrod looks like. What he does he is look the like? Most <laughs> well, I I I, I don't yeah. want to say a dead meme, but he's a very NPC candidate. Yeah, he he does look like an NPC. I don't know what that means. Uh, non-playable character. Non-player character. Non-player. Yeah. Character. What does that mean? Like in, so R- in video like in games, RPGs like the stuff. characters in the background that you talk to to accomplish quests, like the people are just there. I yeah, mean, he blind. does look like the picture of like nice American white guy. Yeah, that's kind of what I picture, <laughs> like your typical win. American dad. <laughs> um, so Sherrod Brown, sixty-six, so he's a spring chicken compared to Donald Trump. Youthful and set Bernie of legs. Sanders. Yes, and Bernie Sanders. Um, he is from. He's a senator from Ohio, like I've said. Um, and he really like is that pro-union, like super kind of can take what Trump says and mm-hmm. and like dress it down and make sure that people know. Like he, like this guy, I think could win, and he wins the beer test, right? The heck is a beer test? The beer test is a theory in political science where the candidate who voters would rather have a beer with is the candidate that will win. 
Okay. So, so you'd if, rather have a beer with Donald Trump I'd than Hillary Clinton. I'd rather have a beer with Sherrod Brown. I'd rather have, have a beer a, with Donald Trump. That would be a great beer. <laughs> Donald Trump. That yeah. would be a great conversation. Neither of them drink beer, I don't he think. Doesn't, he does not drink. He'll have sparkling cider. Yeah, so. how does that man... Okay, we can talk about that later, but it baffles me that Donald Trump doesn't drink. He's, he just does he's drunk on life. He doesn't need to drink. Think, I don't <laughs> think he does cocaine already. anymore. I think now he just takes cocaine pills. in the 80s. Everybody did Everybody cocaine in the 80s. Did. Especially the rich Wall Street. <laughs> Especially um, when you own several casinos, you're doing cocaine. Donald Trump did a lot of cocaine. Okay. We, and a lot of hookers. <laughs> I think if Sherrod Brown came out on a very pro-union stance, which I haven't done enough research into him, I'm not He's sure. He's very pro-union. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it for He's the like sake the of argument. He's like the Joe Biden Rust Belt Democrat. Joe Biden. Um, Excuse you? I like Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Now I, you have to I'm not your I love <laughs> Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> Creepy yeah. kid from Scranton. He, he's he's slightly creepy, but anyway, I'm um, into it. If if Sherrod Brown was very like, <laughs> if he was very staunch, Emily, control yourself. <laughs> if he was very staunch pro union, um, he is. Okay, so if if he carries that into 2020, right? Um, maybe I'm not sure if unions. I, like I'm very pro union. I think that's the I think that's the direction that the left should be like taking on. I'm not sure if that's going to be a position that will get the average voter mobilized. No. Whereas I think guns, mm-hmm. sadly, guns or healthcare, sadly do. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially now, you have so many shootings. There was a shooting just recently, but we didn't even talk about it because it wasn't Oaks. as newsworthy as what's yeah, been. Ha- that's horrible to say, but just like when you have shooting after shooting. Yeah, they blend like the. At one, at some point, they just get stale. And that's all people have said on the news. They're like, I don't know what to say. This happened again. It's there bad. There should be a running <laughs> counter, I think, on every news channel of just how many, like, gun deaths. Because there's, like, and I don't know what to do about it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just, I really wish the Democrats would come up with someone who's not, like, rich, white, middle class, not rich, I guess, not rich and middle class, but like, you know, the same kind of person that they've had. Yeah. Obama is the most diverse they've ever gotten. I think and oh, even he was just like a very standard Democrat. Exactly. Just black. And th- that was what made him stand out. I don't think you can have a minority and a leftist candidate and win an election. Does that mean no America. women, too? Um, Does that, yeah, if, has it I worked? Mean, to mod- to so so in, in 2020. In yeah, 2020, in 2020. I highly doubt it like depends on the candidate. Okay, I, I, I think it very much so depends because I think in 2008 they never thought Obama would have would have won. That was insane at the time. And I and I mean, 2008 and 2010 were a lot could happen. Elections. I feel a, like, lot, a lot could happen by then. I feel like our mindset has kind of gone back to before 2008, though. I don't know. It just seems very regressive right now. I don't think our mindset matters. I think the mindset of Average Joe matters. And average Joe looks at Fox, like who watches Fox News every day, thinks that his country's changing and he wants his country to stay white and to stay male. And that's where his priorities lie. But mm-hmm. then average Joe on the other end of the spectrum, who's just like the the nostalgic Obama two time voter. Right. Um those Obama years were like these years of bliss. The, the these they were, really the, were. The, these were these years of heaven where you All right, the good black Democrat is in. I don't need to worry about anything because I know I'm not racist. I know <laughs> I'm 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 the good guy, and I don't have to worry about you know the drones he sends. I don't need to worry about the people that he you know uh, uh, deports. You know I don't need to worry about his failures because he's a Democrat. He's a good guy. I'm just not going to worry about it. And that kind of naivety and that kind of like removal 
this kind of like removal of engagement in politics that I feel happened with a lot of Democratic people that didn't get kind of resurged until Bernie, you know, said anything. Hmm. Um, Left Vermont. That that that, <laughs> that 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 kind of like nostalgia is still taking hold over the Democratic Party because we're still looking for who's going to be the next Obama. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. We don't need an Obama because <laughs> Obama wasn't that good. Yeah. He really wasn't that yeah, good of a I, president. Yeah, he was He was a completely mad. average NPC president. Yeah. He was a completely normal, a step average president. above Jimmy Carter, for sure, but probably not. That's not saying much. Probably below, I don't know where I put Bill Clinton, but he's no FDR. You don't know where you'd put Bill Clinton? Yeah, Ugh. not maybe prison, I don't know. Not a Bill Clinton fan. Maybe uh, marriage counseling. <laughs> but as far as Bill Clinton goes, he was a pretty decent president, right? I mean, he got he got things economically on track, but I mean, ask ask the Iraqis yeah. if he was yeah. a good president. Dude, there's a I think I might have talked about this on a different podcast, but there's like a CNN series where they go about like decades and they like each season is like the 70s, 80s, 90s. They did some I've really seen that. That is it's really, really good. good. And it I like the 80s one. Did you watch the 80s one where they talk about George H.W. Bush? Because that made me have a new respect for H.W. Bush. I don't know, actually. I kind of feel like yes, but I think I probably forgot most of it. I, I, I know what you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah, it basically talks about like how he's responsible for making sure like the American view of the West like withstood the mm-hmm. Cold War and mm-hmm. ending the Cold War was, was done in a, in a responsible way. And he was really good at foreign policy and he was really bad at domestic policy and that's why he lost his reelection. Like that that made me have a respect for a Republican president that I hadn't realized in a long time, especially not in a recent Republican president. Because if you look at his kid, like Jesus Christ, there's a lot of possible war crimes went on uh during his son's presidency. Unfortunately, I think almost every president has got I think I think they've got at least one under their belt, one war crime. Dude, I think that's almost like a requirement at this point. It's hard because like FDR is my favorite president, except he put Japanese people in camps. Yeah, it's yeah, I, 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 I really don't have one. I really don't have a favorite president. It's hard president. to have a favorite president. I, I, I got favorite people. I got favorite bands and stuff, but not not presidents. I kind of wanted to talk very briefly because we, we brought up Thousand Oaks. Um, I kind of want to talk about um, what the shooter was talking about. Um, you know, stories were talking about how he was posting to social yeah, media. Yeah, didn't he update oh, his social I media? I paid attention mid- to that, honestly. Well, he, he posted this one uh, um, post, which I think is actually really interesting that um, – people are talking about, but uh, he essentially, I can't find the exact quote, but the quote was essentially that people are going to assume I'm crazy because I killed people, but the irony is that, you know, I'm not the crazy person. These other people that are going to respond in the way they do with thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. are the crazy people, and then sure enough, <gasps> almost instantly, like, instantly, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, what? this person's crazy. Wait, so he was advocating for gun control before he... Well, I, I, I wouldn't say that he's advocating for gun control. I think that what he was doing was expressing this idea of hopelessness uh-huh. that what's happening right now with how we try to fix gun control or how we try to talk about it, it's useless. And how we try to reach out to people who are struggling, especially with mental health. We can't have an accurate conversation about mental health until we have universal health care. Don't talk to me about how we have to fix Mental health in this country, if people can't get free access. Totally, but the fact that... It's a complete joke. The fact that he tried to bring that up before he Oh, yeah, he's he's, he's completely Uh, insane, for sure. Yeah, no. But but I'm saying that we need to... Like, he he left this message for a reason. Mm -hmm. We need to look at this. There's... It's it's, it's ridiculous that we try to have any conversation about guns or... It's... 
it's not guns. There are guns on every surface of this planet. This nation, and other in other countries this that have nation. guns, that have more guns, that are in dictatorial uh, governments, regimes. don't regimes do not have the gun murder rates that we do. But what do those other like countries in Europe have in common? They have as many guns as we do, roughly. But what's what's a huge? What's one thing we can point to? Healthcare. Yeah, I think they have universal health care. If someone is struggling, they can go in and get help. They don't have to worry. So many Americans worry about I can't I can't afford health care. I can't afford to go in to talk to someone. I know that I have a hard time going in to talk to any kind of like mental health person because I can't afford it mm-hmm. or I can't find people that accept my insurance. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I, yeah. I read uh, there was a girl who went who like had thoughts like that and she went to like the the hospital and for a three-day stay, her total bill was, like, 15 grand. Yeah. Like, there's... Why would you... Like, that's so... I don't I don't know how to... Like, why would you go to the hospital for that if it's going to put your life in dramatically dire straits financially afterwards? Like, how do you recover from those hospital bills? And thankfully, when I went to a therapist this past summer and I gave her my insurance card, she's like, oh, you have, like, the best insurance that we take. Like, you have 20 free visits. And I was like... Mm-hmm. Can I give mine to somebody else? Because I I do not need them, and there's people who really could use them and just don't have the money to. So, like, you're totally 100% right. The men- the mental health crisis is not something that we can leave up to individuals for them to forsake their financial future in order to, like, try and fix this intangible thing that's infecting their lives. It's just impossible. And unfortunately, like services like BetterHelp. Have you guys heard of Better BetterHelp? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I have. I listen ha- to a lot of podcasts. Have you heard about how, how they've kind of, they were outed for kind of being a fraud, fraudulent company, no, basically. I, I, well, they're they're essentially kind of a fraudulent company. Um, how and, so? Well, a lot of the polling data that they constructed were constructed with very questionable methods. Mm-hmm. Like the 98% success mm-hmm. is based on about 50 people. Oof. Okay. Which that's not... How you do. That's not how you run a study like no. that. Right. There's a lot of very questionable things about their their practice, and unfortunately, that's what we're going to bump into. Can you say with, what Better Health is? Because I've never heard of it. Uh, Better Health is this like um, online mental health uh, care thing where you can talk to a therapist online. A lot of like YouTubers, like Philip DeFranco, H3, they like had uh, uh, sponsorship deals with them, and they okay. would push them. Basically, you would like fill out a questionnaire. You'd call someone. You'd have like these email and phone call exchanges with a therapist um good idea on paper but unfortunately it's it it was run like a very typical private corporation business yeah with podcasts and youtubers like promoting it and sponsoring it just like they would a food company yeah they shouldn't be a business because you have a bottom line and you have to cut corners and exactly. you shouldn't cut corners with when people are saying, hey, I think I'm going to kill myself mm-hmm. or I think I'm going to well, or, or hurt someone else. And they correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they say when they're promoting it like this is not a service for you if you feel like you need immediate help. If you feel like I you don't need buy immediate those disclaimers. help. Like nobody heeds those warnings. Like they're like, yeah. I, what do I do? Like I can pay this online thing or I can go to the hospital and pay and like. And, like, if you're under 18 or you rely on your parents' insurance, like, that's a really hard thing to say to your parents. Like, I think I'm consider like, I'm considering suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's such a hard thing to say. Yeah. And when you, like, have an online resource that you can go to where you're like, okay, I just put my credit card in and, like, this will help me. Like, I see why people go to that even though the warnings are, yeah, don't, this isn't for people considering suicide, but. Yeah, and it, it also makes a point to say that we're not for diagnosing people. Mm-hmm. And. 
again, that's that's what you run into contact with with corporate business. They don't want to be held accountable <laughs> if something goes wrong. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's not what we should be doing with mental health. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have to be like, eh, we can do this, but we can't do this for you because then we'll be held accountable and we don't want to you know, go to court. Mm-hmm. No, we shouldn't be having that discussion at all with mental health. I this think- the, like what this guy just did, that message. That's why. Right. Because this is just going to keep right. happening. I just think it's going to be a very slow progress with mental health and getting accurate help for mental health just because even maybe it's just because I'm starting to become an adult, but I don't remember hearing the words mental health when I was like seven or eight years old. Like this didn't become a normal term until a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I I, I know that like depression's on the rise. Um, The millennials are weird in this way in that like we're one of the most depressed generations, mostly because like that's because of technology and social media. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And mental health wasn't really in the mainstream like medical diagnosis until more recently. So when Mm -hmm. they're saying millennials are double showed twice the signs of depression as previous generations, because previous generations weren't really looking for it and it wasn't really a mainstream thing. Now, thankfully, the view of mental health issues is changing for the better. So like before there was, and Philip DeFranco says like, has said this before when I used to watch him, it was like, you go to a doctor when you're physically hurt, go to a therapist when you're mentally in trouble. Yeah. Something along those lines. And that's really a new thing. Like when people talk about like, oh, when I, when I was a kid, like we didn't have like old, like the, the boomers are calling us pussies because they're like, we didn't have all these mental health issues. Like, well, you right. did. People were just you miserable. You just didn't take care of it. Yeah, you just didn't take care of it. So things like that. And maybe we are getting more depressed with like having, I know, well, having that we massive are. student loan. Like, we 100% lot of, are. a lot of theories about that. Yeah, having like massive student loan debt and like food insecurity. That's something that, and like like you said, like technology well, is definitely not a good thing. When you're glued to your phone every single day and yeah. you're spending more time interacting with people over the internet than in person, yeah. you're not getting that interaction. And I think I've talked and, to both of you about yeah. this, that column I wrote over the summer about loneliness and how it yeah. correlates with technology and social media use. Yeah, there's a lot of data that shows like hugging people and interacting mm-hmm. with humans is really good for your mental health. That's why humans were born <laughs> together, not separately. <laughs> yeah. We hang out together for a reason. And logging on and seeing... Almost everything is like the social capitalized thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, do I measure up to this arbitrary thing? Do I measure up to this? Do how do I compare this? It makes everything so much more com- like comparative and so much more mm-hmm. marketized. Definitely. That I I can speak for like myself. It does make me depressed sometimes. Mm-hmm. Social media can make me really depressed. Me too. Yeah. That's yeah. why I deleted Twitter from my phone. Yeah, I, 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 delete, spend, I deleted Facebook from my phone, things like that. Spend a lot less time on this, especially things like Instagram, where it's like crafted to show like what you want everyone to see, exactly what you want everyone to see, and like the perfect idea of your life. Yeah, it's just so not healthy. Cultivated there's, personality. There's exactly. people I follow who, um, like, what they post is things that you really wouldn't want to see, mm-hmm. and I think that really helps me. It's like, oh, this girl's posting gross photos of her, of her eating pizza. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm entertained, and I'm right. not jealous. Like, I don't want to post yeah. a picture of myself being gross eating pizza. Yeah, ed- ed- edgy Instagram's got some perks to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> edgy Instagram. I follow, like, 30 people. <laughs> okay, anything else? Uh, no, I, I, th- I think we're good. That's a good note. All right. And done. Remember, guys, if you're having any thoughts like that, seek help, and we are in it together.